Hey, everyone, we're back. Ba -ba -boom. Yeah, as always, we hope everybody's happy and healthy. Of yeah. course, doing well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're very, very excited. We found out that actually for realsies this time, we're going to be interviewing Mark Charles today. Um, we'll see. Yeah, as that'll be good. He's going to be calling in basically any minute now, so that'll be pretty cool. So yeah. looking forward to that. We got the days mixed up for supposed to be today, so. Exactly. Was a miscommunication, but either way, good stuff. Hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, also, I was reading this too. I think it's a good it's a good sign. Well, let's let's see. Let's wait and see how well, of course, it all works. But uh, here in New York City, before the end of the year, uh, we're supposed to be getting four hundred sixty-five thousand vaccines for we'll the city. See. Yeah. Are good. Uh, well, two of the, well, there are two different ones. One is by um, Pfizer, the other is by Molina. The Pfizer one, uh, it's going to get here by the 15th, in theory, and the Molina one's going to get here, in theory, by the 22nd. And it's going to start with the, uh, basically, emergency workers, first and foremost, and nursing home attendants. Or not nursing home attendants, nursing home patients. Why? You're old. Well, I mean, I get what you're saying. But then the same time, too, it's uh, at the very least, if there happen to be some uh, tough side effects. What's up, Kaz? Hey, thanks for joining us, Caps. Good to see you. We're going to be interviewing Mark Charles in just a minute. But hope to hear you're doing well. Oh, and if you're listening to us right now on Spotify or iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Pandora, any of the podcasting outlets, the way Tim puts it, hey. you're getting sloppy seconds because we only do our live, uh, we only do our live interactive episodes every Monday through Friday on Podbean. Free app, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, download it, sign in. You can comment like our friend Caps here. He's not a friend. I would think so. He's a regular listener, so I would consider him at He's least He's no friendly. friend of ours. Oh, oh no. And Cap says, Timmy always gets sloppy seconds. Yeah, oh, that's, well, that's terrible. Cause, that's because uh, usually the guy next door gets to your old lady's house before I do so. Oh. You know, usually there's a pretty long line. Oh, and Cap says, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Especially on payday. That's terrible. You know that's terrible. Right. <laughs> And bore them out for says, me. Yeah, they bore them out for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was bored. That's going to be my good. <laughs> oh, well, we hope you're doing well, Caps. Oh, yeah. Mark Charles, he was an independent presidential candidate here. And Caps says 50 millimeter. That's yeah, not very small. Yeah, they go, oh. Ha ha ha. Oh man! And a shout out to a few friends of ours. Yes, who today? Uh, uh, would be. Hope you're okay too, bro. Yeah, we hope it you're doing be, okay. Not kept. <laughs> first, a few things I want to get. I want to get. Okay. Uh, you gotta do. You keep putting a free Ross Albright, free Ross 2020. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely keep posting free Ross 2020. Yeah, but let me see. Because you uh, look up Ross Albrecht, you'll you'll see who he is, and you'll see what the deal is. He is uh, basically framed and locked up for life with no chance of parole. For some bullshit. Yeah, anyway. it's true. I want I want Donald Trump to pardon him and say I'm doing this just because Professor Gobblepart told me not to. 
not because Professor Goldenforts told me to. You just wanted to mention I Professor Goldenforts. Well, I wanted to do both. I think that it would be just so epic. It would be. I mean, I doubt he would pardon him because that's definitely not his uh, uh, not his brand. Kinda, he, but he's kind of everywhere, so it's like, you know, he might. It wouldn't put it past him, I think. One can hope. Yeah. So, yeah. But so I'm Of course, free Russell. Because Caitlin Collins, the White House correspondent from CNN. Yeah. She listens. Uh, some of her colleagues over there at CNN, they listen. And we like Caitlin Collins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. It's uh, it's interesting to see how many, uh, basically, CNN correspondents are following us. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to... Um, um, we might have to uh, get together with her. Maybe. For national security. In case Kim Jong-un calls and says that we have to have sex with her, we have to have a dry run, honey. Oh, is that the case? So why would Kim Why would Kim Jong-un want for us to have sex Who with knows? Caitlin Collins? But you know what? <laughs> See, we failed it already. <laughs> if this were an actual Kim Jong-un emergency, <laughs> we would have failed. Maybe we could have her over this weekend, honey. <laughs> Super cat. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, my I'm like, where did it go? Well, you said who something? My par, my parents. I can't, you know. And I said it to you too. Oh, maybe I don't some, know. Maybe it's in traps we may never sent. I am but not it sure. It was. Uh... Oh yeah, actually, it never sent. <laughs> Um, let me see. That explains why I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, well, I'll give, while you're looking yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll give a, I'll give a shout out to Elliot, Elliot Page, which is, this is pretty cool. Uh, for those, of course, listeners who I guess aren't quite, because I just learned about this uh, last night. Uh, Elliot Page was formerly known as Ellen Page, um, has acted in a ton of stuff. Uh, you see Elliot's face, you know who it is, but uh, actually uh, came out as transsexual. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, he goes by he and they, but uh, his wife is saying that he's that she's really proud of him. I think that that's pretty cool. He's he's getting a lot of uh, a lot of support, at least by the sounds of it. So we're, we're excited. So we're pretty excited. For I'm him. not excited. No. Well, I'm excited for him. I think it's pretty cool for everybody involved. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool because it's, yeah, it's it's cool when it's not uh, just getting hate for that kind of thing. So I think I'm just saying. Oh, Mark Charles. All right. All right okay, go. here's Mark Charles. All right. Hi there, Mark. How blah, are you blah, doing? Mark. Blah, Mark. Oh, wait, wait. He's getting he's blah. he's getting your theme song. Hello. I can hear you. Hello there. See, here we go. Even so, as far as we're concerned, you're the president. Well, thank Bye. you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm really it's been, you. Uh, a busy year, and now I'm, things are slowing down for the holiday season, so I'm enjoying a little bit of decompression time. That's good. Well, Hope you deserve it. Yeah, and hopefully uh, you and the family and friends have stayed healthy, of course, with all the uh, pandemic getting bigger and bigger. Yes, we have. We're very strict about social distancing, and we were just with our own immediate family for, for Thanksgiving holiday. And yeah, so we were very intentional to not do anything to put our health at risk or anyone else's health at risk over the holidays. That's good. Very good. But everyone's doing well? Yeah, we are. The kids, our kids are um, all doing online learning. Our son is in college, and he's been home since March, so he's 
looks like this semester as well as next semester will be online and our daughters are in some of the, the local publicly funded um, uh, um, schools here in DC and they uh, are also doing online learning, but that's going well for them too. So yeah, we're, we're healthy. Everyone's doing okay. A bit of boredom going on. It feels kind of like the Groundhog's Day movie over and over again, but oh, yeah. most things are going well. <laughs> Good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can find a, a cabinet position for you. Yeah, because that's one thing. Of course, Tim and I are both disappointed that you're not the one who's actually going to be stepping into the office on January 20th. Uh, do you? Uh, it's. Uh, but uh, hopefully, as I say, they have a position for you very, very soon because you seem far too smart and far too uh, basically useful to not be some yeah. doing something active. Well, I am not holding my breath for the Biden administration to appoint me to a position at any level. Uh, I think there are too many fundamental different disagreements I have about our foundations. But uh, I am excited that Deb Holland's name, um, a Pueblo woman from New Mexico, her name is being floated for one of the cabinet positions for the, the Secretary of the Interior. Okay. And that is very good news. I'm excited to hear that. Um, I don't know if. I haven't heard that she's on Biden's shortlist, but her name is being floated in the orbit of that position. So um, people are kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with that. Well, let's hope her name gets uh, starts floating closer and closer and closer to it in that case. Yeah, I think it would be I think she would be do very well in that position. Of course, um, you know, it's because. Uh, the BIA is in the Department of the Interior, you know, that that is kind of more of a natural uh, slot to put a native cabinet member. But, you know, as I had said during my campaign, I would be looking very seriously if I were coming into office at appointing a Native American Secretary of State. Um, that makes sense. Not only do we do we need a native looking at our interior and our our um, environmental policies and how we care for the environment here domestically, but I think we need a native voice and worldview and a, a native person looking as our first uh, ambassador to the world. So uh, um, unfortunately, um, that is not within Biden's uh, what he's scope, the scope of what he's looking to do. So that was unfortunate to it's, see that. It's true. One of our regular listeners, Caps, just said, why do they always pick old men who are almost dead to run your country? Because Caps is in the UK. So he's saying that's what uh, Tim and I were saying. Mark Charles would have been a better choice because, well, and, and it's not even an age thing. It also helps that Mark Charles here is uh, Nav a member of Navajo Nation and actually have better plans. Which actually we're thinking, yeah. and Tim and I, Tim and I talked about this too. You've mentioned, and if you want to uh, get into it again with uh, any new listeners here, you've talked about the Bureau of Indian Affairs and basically what uh, you you haven't called it a travesty, but basically it's a travesty. Do you think there's any way you can get involved to perhaps uh, improve the Bureau of Indian Affairs, actually make it helpful, or would you think just scrapping the whole thing is the best idea? Well, again, I'm looking at it at a much more foundational level. So whether or not how the Bureau interacts, the relationship between the U.S. government and the, na the Native nations is a one of a domestic dependency. And so because of the doctrine of discovery, because of the way the relationships have been established, um, there's not a peer-to-peer -peer relationship. There's not a sovereign nation to sovereign nation relationship. And even if we look at the most recent Supreme Court case that came out this past summer, which was the McGirt versus the state of Oklahoma, 
which was in many people's eyes, a huge win for Indian country where the Supreme Court ruled that for judicial purposes, the whole eastern half of Oklahoma is reservation land. And uh, that was a very big win for McGirt. It was a big win for the Creek Nation. And it was kind of unprecedented in the ruling. But when you read the opinion as a whole, what the opinion states over and over again is that, yes, the state of Oklahoma doesn't have the right to break treaty or disestablish reservation lands, and the courts don't have that right. But any time the U.S. Congress can muster the will, and that's the quote they used in the in the ruling, any time the, the U.S. Congress can muster the will, they have the right to break treaty and to disestablish reservation lands with Native nations, and there's no one who's going to hold them accountable for that. Yeah. And so that's where we, it's not only just what do we do about the BIA, it's what do we do about our foundations that have set up this, this exploitive relationship, this domestic dependence, this doctrine of discovery worldview relationship between Native nations and the U.S. federal government. And I'm not expecting Joe Biden to change that at any level um, at a, or at a foundational level in his in the next four years. Understandable on that. Well, even so, do you do you see any hope for any improvement, any any betterment of any sort considering? So one of the things that Joe Biden has committed to doing is he wants to revive the, the Native Leaders Summit that President Obama started um, and had the entire eight years he was in office, where every year he and his staff met with representatives of the Native Nations. I think there was one member from every Native Nation, and there's over 300 federally recognized Native Nations in the United States. And every year they would have an annual meeting with those native leaders about their priorities, about their issues. And that was really unprecedented that happened during the Obama administration. And I understand that President, um, President-elect Biden wants to uh, reinitiate that and to make that a regular part of his administration's dealings with native nations. So that is a positive thing. Again, even the thought that Deb Holland's name is being floated for the idea of a cabinet position that would be a huge uh, uh, boundary to break as far as getting a Native person, um, a Native woman on the cabinet. Um, so I think there's a few things that Joe Biden's going to do, but he's not going to address things at a foundational level. He made that clear during his campaign. Yes. He will, be, he will be better in some instances than President Trump was in his relationship with Native Nations. Uh, the thing I was disappointed about, which was in this last election, um, we had the the two native forums, uh, the Frank Lemire Native Forum, and then there was another presidential forum in uh, March or in February, I think, of 2020 in Las Vegas. And there were two national Native American presidential forums, and neither Donald Trump nor Joe Biden attended either of those. Um, the first forum in 2019 was really unprecedented. It had 10 of the top 20 Democratic candidates. I was there as a Native candidate. There were a few Republican candidates there. Joe Biden didn't show up to that one. Bernie Sanders was there. Elizabeth Warren, uh, Kamala Harris was there. All of the many of the top tier candidates from the Democratic primaries were there, but Joe Biden didn't show up. And for the second one, yeah. Many of the candidates appeared by video because that was during the impeachment hearings. And Joe Biden, who wasn't even a senator, he could have shown up in person. He just sent a letter. He didn't even show up on video. And so there were two 
great opportunities for President-elect Biden to campaign directly to Native peoples, not to our leaders, but to Native peoples. And he declined both times to speak directly to Indian country, which was very disappointing that he ended up being the nominee. Yeah, to say the least. And Donald Trump did the same thing. So again, they're both kind of in the, neither one of them uh, showed up in person at either of those forums. Um, and so it was disappointing even throughout the general election that, yeah, the two candidates from both parties did not go out of their way to campaign to Native nations and to the, yeah. the indigenous peoples of Turtle Island. It seems, it seems very uh, dismissive. It was, it was very dismissive. Um, and, uh, you know, if you look at, especially now, if you look at the, the numbers of the voting in Arizona, where it was a very close race between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and uh, the vote not only from Indian country in general in Arizona, but from the Navajo Nation, which makes up a large number of voters in Arizona, uh, they contributed heavily to, to the Biden campaign win in the state of Arizona. And so, um, you know, very much the, the native, our native peoples turned out to support Joe Biden, even though he did not pay much attention to native nations during the actual campaign, um, even for the general election. Now, I'll ask you, too, because it's uh, very much like we, we both said, the whole uh, just dismissive, to say the least, uh, just the general lack of acknowledgement from uh, from who's who's in office now? Do you do you see maybe within the next four years at least maybe starting to move in the right direction, or do you think there's just no hope because, like you said, Biden doesn't plan on making any big changes? Well, I, again, I think having this this uh, annual conference with Native peoples, uh, Joe Biden did come out with a fairly detailed um, plan and platform for Indian Country that received some input from a lot of native, native leaders. Um, okay. And so I, I think he, he does have some intention to um, be at least as good as President Obama was as far as paying listening to Native nations and to Native leaders. Uh, the, the problem, again, is when, it, when push comes to shove. And so if we go back if, to the Obama administration, and President Obama was one of the best presidents our nation has had for looking to and listening to Native leaders and Native communities during his eight years in office. Um, he, he did a really good job. However, um, if we look at Standing Rock, which was taking place in the last few years of his administration, the last year of his administration, when there were hundreds of Native nations thousands of Native peoples at Standing Rock protesting the pipeline that was going through there. Mm -hmm. And while President Obama did a lot of things behind the scenes to make sure that um, that things happened, at least to support Native peoples, he did not come out publicly and do anything or say anything on behalf of Native nations to really advocate for what we were protesting for and what we were trying to do. He, he did things behind the scenes. He did not come out boldly and say anything publicly. The same thing, you know, on December 19 of this year, you know, it was in December 19 of 2009, uh, during President Obama's first term in office, when House Resolution 3326 was passed, which was the Department of Defense bill 
that they pass almost every year during the lane without even questioning it um yeah without even questioning it and and so that but that bill was signed on december 19 2009 which um contained this apology to native peoples for the the history and yet it was a horrible apology and president obama signed it on december 19 but then buried it and Hmm. never acknowledged it and i i even though i've attempted to reach out to him numerous times i never was able to contact with him about it who but it was obama uh president obama it was i'm sure he was in a a political jam right because it was a bad apology it was a self-protecting um meaningless apology and had he acknowledged it people would have said well why are you acknowledging this pitiful apology but had he vetoed the bill again then he becomes the president who vetoes the bill which was a major bill it was a defense department appropriations bill it was a major bill but now he is the president who vetoes an apology to native peoples and so rather than dealing with that on a public stage and saying to congress this is a bad apology give me something that's meaningful or vetoing it and saying no i want something on here or even acknowledging it and publicly and owning it he did neither of those he signed it behind closed doors and then buried it yeah. And so this is the, the challenge I have and the fear I have about Joe Biden is, yes, he, he said some things that are positive towards Indian country. But again, he did not go to the two forums where we asked where, where president candidates have a chance to speak directly to native peoples. And while he's making some bold statements of what he's going to stand up for. I'm not holding my breath that when push comes to shove and he finds himself in a political pickle, that he's not going to do what every other president has done throughout our nation's history, which is to throw people of color, especially African-Americans and Native peoples under the bus. Understandable. Which is a bothersome thing, too, is there's Indian um, Native American women going missing and no one seems to give a shit. Well, well, thankfully, there's is, a movement that's growing. No, I know, but, but it's, it's, yeah. what's it going to take? How many more yeah. indigenous women well, to yeah. just disappear, like literally disappear? Yeah. And then be like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, I mean, I, 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 know, I don't mean to throw us off topic, but there's so much work to be done. Yeah. It's, it's until... There, there was there was some movement that was brought forward by Deb Holland and some other members of Congress um, during the last year. And I think they actually got a committee or a commission that was approved. Not much has happened with that. So again, because we have some native members of Congress, um, uh, Deb Holland, Sharice Davis, and a few others, they are pressing these issues. But again, it's, it's getting the people at the top levels of our government to really commit to doing something and to mm-hmm. making something radically different. And so while President Trump was kind of public about signing this bill and creating this, I forget if it was a commission or a committee or whatever it is they established, not much has happened with it since then. Yeah, and, and I, so, I, you know, you know and I, things. and I do understand bureaucracy as far as like, let's just say tomorrow, you know, they call it to the White House and they say, look, you know, because if there's any, if there's ever an institution that started, they never say, you know, it was a bad idea. They just changed the name and they changed the names on the door and stuff. But if they were to say, tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what, can, we're going to put you in charge of it. What would you do? Would you either keep the existing de- uh, departments that they have now and just change the uh, 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 mission statements, if you will? Or would you just 
say, you know, I'm just going to start a whole new one. And as I do that, I'll phase the old one out. How would you, how would you see that working in a, uh, you mean if we had gotten into office, what would we do with the different cabinet positions? Is that what you're asking? Well, with the different cabinet positions, or would you just want to say, all right, well, these cabinet positions, they let's call them this and let's give them this kind of a hierarchy. Uh, would you uh, use the existing, like if you come in uh, as a baseball manager or of a, a hockey team or a baseball team or whatever, and you're like, you know what, I know the way you guys used to do it, but I'm going to implement this way of doing it. Or do you just yeah. revise the existing infrastructure or do you just start a new or how do you, how do you fix something yeah. that, how do you fix something that's not working as you try to get it to work? Because again, that, yeah, that takes so three, like, four years to begin with just to. Well, so again, my, unfortunately, my initial plan was we, we had a 100 day plan to remove the most egregious racist and sexist and white supremacist language from our foundation. I think you're going to need more time than that. that. That we wanted to do in our first 100 days. Well, this was a simple, these were simple, simply changing some of the wordings in our constitution, um, yeah. removing the, the, um, the gender specific male pronouns, replacing them with gender neutral pronouns or proper nouns, um, taking the three fifths compromise out of article one, section two, taking the words that exclude natives or exclude women, removing the clause from the 13th Amendment, the, the most egregious white supremacist, racist, and sexist language that I, when you read it, it demonstrates, yeah, this is not an inclusive document. It's very I, exclusive. Yeah. Now, I know you... I know was you, our 100-day plan. I know you just rattled off uh, a few uh, things that you, you mentioned, the Constitution. Uh, can you go over each one just a tiny more bit in detail in case... We have some uh, yeah, listeners any of our that are listeners. a little, uh, yeah, including so, myself, to be honest with you. I don't you know. One of the things I, I said to people out on the campaign trail, the virtual campaign trail for the last nine months, was if you think our Constitution is an inclusive document, get on a Zoom call with a diverse group of people, women, African-Americans, Native Americans, and yourself, and read the Constitution out loud. You will be appalled at how exclusive this constitution is not you won't have to read very long I, I actually started counting there are 51 gender specific male pronouns 51 he him and his that's a lot out the entire constitution there's not a single female pronoun in the entire document article 1 section 2 specifically excludes natives and it counts africans as three-fifths of a person we have other places where it does the exact same thing and so this is the challenge is most people believe our constitution was written to include everybody, but if you actually read it, you understand how very narrowly our document, our constitution defines our understanding of we the people. We the people literally when it was written meant were, white landowning men. We're the men in the room, not we the people of the country, but me, uh, the men in these four walls. Yeah, well, this is who they considered to be human, was white landowning men. And so that's the challenge, which was the entire theme of our campaign, which is let's build a nation where for the very first time, we the people truly means all the people. Now, the challenge with the Democratic Party, and we saw this both with President Obama and we see it with, with Joe Biden, is again, throughout my campaign, I pointed out that the purpose of the two-party system is to maintain the status quo 
and the status quo is built on foundations that are racist, sexist, and white supremacist. Hmm. And so it was in his last State of the Union that our first black president, President Obama, he was acknowledging the divisiveness that he had experienced as our first black president during his eight years in office. And he was challenging our nation to create a new politics. And he said, he quoted the Constitution, he said, we the people, our Constitution begins with these three simple words, words we've come to recognize mean all the people. Yeah. Well, the problem is, that sounds beautiful, Mr. President, we've never actually decided that. Hmm. Even in 2020, right, Virginia became the 38th state to ratify the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, which constitutionally would have protected and, 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 um, treated women as equal under the law. And Virginia became the 38th state to ratify that, which should have then made the ERA the 28th Amendment to our Constitution. But because it had passed the deadline for the self-imposed deadline that Congress put on for ratifying that amendment, it never became law. So even in 2020, we haven't decided that we want we the people to constitutionally include women. Now, Joe Biden does the same thing. Frequently throughout the campaign, he would misquote the Declaration of Independence. Hmm. He would say, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created equal. But it that doesn't say and women. Know. Yeah. It doesn't say women. It says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And if you can't acknowledge what the document actually says, you're going to be less inclined to fix it. And so this is the challenge is, you know, we have huge sexist issues within our nation that go all the way down to our foundations. And if our presidents, even from the progressive party, which is the Democratic Party that's supposed to care about these types of changes, but they can't even acknowledge what our Constitution says and what it means or what our foundational documents say and what they mean, they're never going to fix the problem at that level. And so while Joe Biden is, I applaud him for selecting a, a, a woman as his vice president. Well, let's, I let's applaud that, him for selecting cabinet members who are women. But if he can't acknowledge it at the basic level, he's not going to fix it at that foundational level. Well, I think, and, and this is true, okay. I think, of most politicians. I do kind of think that, um, uh, that, um, uh, like Joe Biden, it, per, it is not going to actually fix anything, but he has to put someone in charge who actually knows what the hell they're doing. That's, I think, the problem. It's like, you know, are we going to put another white guy who's never even spoken to an indigenous person, uh, male or female, about how to fix things? Or are they just going to hop in the position and say, well, I'm just going to pick up with the late, the last guy I left off. And again, it's just some people are just like, I need a no show kind of job for four years. And hopefully, hopefully I don't wind up on the cover of, uh, you know, of the New York Times or, or you know, CNN or uh, 60 Minutes is, don't knock on my door, you know. Well, no, we've got to ask, too, uh, for uh, Mark Charles. Well, first off, one of our uh, regular listeners, Homeboy88, says, uh, hi, Mr. Mark Charles, big fan. But we're wondering, will I, would you, would you ever. California's good guy. It's true. Uh, You want to, if he wants to call and he wants to ask you a question, he wants to ask uh, Donald Trump not wanting to concede or leave the White House. Uh, But yeah, homeboy, you can call in. 
No, you can ask those questions. Did you see the questions he has, Mark? Yeah, he said, I hate uh, to bring this I'm up. Not... Okay. okay. He said, I hate to bring this up, but the Republican Party is 96% white American, forward slash white uh, female American, 4% diverse. Uh, but yeah, if in case, uh, well, I will see if Homeboy's going to call in. But we're wondering, would you ever run for office again? I am considering that very strongly. Um, okay. You know, oh, something more local? When or When I announced this campaign in, in uh, April or in May of 2019, um, I had several goals. One of the goals was to be actually become president, which is why I ran as an independent. The other yeah. goal was to initiate a national dialogue on race, gender, and class. And the third goal was to call the question, do we want to be a nation where we the people means all the people? Because our campaign never got our message to the national level, we never were able to initiate the dialogue we had hoped to initiate. I am probably more convinced now than I was even in May of 2019 that the best way to bring this dialogue to the forefront is through an independent presidential campaign like we did. I will admit I was a brand new at this when I came in and we learned a lot over the last 18 months and uh if we were if we were to do it again there are many ways that we could adjust things and change things and i think run an even more effective campaign i was very while i was disappointed we didn't win and while i was disappointed we didn't get the national attention we had hoped for i was thrilled to see all of the support that came from every section of america of people who heard our vision and this is what was most um most uh, encouraging to me is the people who took time to listen to our platform, the people who took time to read about our stances on issues and what our policy thoughts were. Those people frequently came back and said, we want to help you get into office. And they would come even a week before the election. We were gaining new supporters, the people who were finding our campaign. And the first thing they were saying was, how come I've never heard of you before? You're topics, your issues, your policies, your platform fits so perfectly the challenges our nation is facing today. Why are you not getting more press? Like they were astounded that they had never heard of us before. And so there is, we had a small group of supporters, but there was a lot of energy and it was growing. Um, and actually Joel and I were, uh, Joel and I yeah. were, um, we're both electors. We're electors right? for you. If you'd won a yeah. popular vote in New York State, we would have gone up to Albany and put the vote in for you. Yeah, we had we had electors all over the country that we were thrilled to connect with, and I'm thank you for for being electors for us. That is, I, I remember I, hearing that, and I was very thrilled to to know that both of you were electors for our campaign. And you know, so one of the things I I was thinking through, and especially myself and Adrian Wallace, my vice presidential candidate, we've talked about this is we want to, our focus right now is the next two years. What do we need to do to kind of keep, not lose the energy and momentum that we've gained over the past 18 months? So what can we do in the next two years? There is a strong likelihood that I will run again in 2024. Okay. Um, we're not making that final decision yet, but we're, we're going to see what we can do in the next two years. We were looking at, you know, we want to continue to create this common memory, to teach this history, to get this issue about the doctrine discovery out there, to promote that educational piece. And we also wanted to look at how can we encourage younger people to come into office? You know, one of the things, and I think we mentioned this early in, earlier in the show, 
if you look at our national leadership in the Congress and in the federal government, there is, I don't know if you ever have identified the silent generation. So we have the, we have the millennials, we have Gen Z who are even younger, we have Gen X, which is the generation I'm a part of, we have the boomers who are up to page age 75, um, and then we have, there's known as the silent generation. I've never heard of that. The silent generation is age 75 to 87 right now. Wow. Okay. My parents are, my this parents. Is, they're the silent generation. No, they're, they're. Well, they're not silent. That's for well, sure. No, that, well, <laughs> they kind of are, but they're, they're a little so, uh, past that, I think I want to say. I don't want to say, I want, but. So, well, they're older so than 75. Over 87, yeah. over 87 then yes. they become the, the greatest generation. Well, okay, yeah, then they're the greatest. That's the oldest generation. Okay, right gotcha. Now. Okay. But anyway, so the silent generation, 75 to 87. Um, when you look at our succession of power, when you look at our leadership in Congress, when you look at the people who are holding some of the most crucial positions in our government, a lot of them are being held by the silent generation. Again, this is Donald Trump, this is Joe Biden, this is Mitch McConnell, this is Nancy Pelosi, this is Diane Feinstein, this is Chuck Greeley from, um, from the Iowa from Center, he was the president of the Center Pro Tempore. Right? This is the silent generation which 75 to 87 and this generation is literally clinging to power oh yeah i yeah. agree i i see yeah. it. i actually see it because and this is and this that generational wealth that is something this is the generation that is refusing to pass on their any power leadership any of it to the next generation and so yeah. One of the things that we that the challenge a you know when you're when you're 75 to 87 and I have great respect for our elders, I have great respect for the elders of my people for, for our elders. We need to absolutely take care of them. We need to treat they, them with respect, the respect sure. that they deserve. But there is a point where you are not going to be able to be an effective leader because the world that you knew and the world that you live in are vastly different, and so. When I look at this silent generation, again, this is Donald Trump, this is Joe Biden, this is Mitch McConnell, yeah. this is Nancy Pelosi, and they are refusing to give up power and to pass the torch, the torch on to the next generation. And I'm convinced that this is one of the reasons why even today, right, we have, we have, um, we're coming up on on the the vaccine coming out, right? We've been yes. dealing with massive unemployment we've been dealing with income insecurity and food insecurity and all these challenges and our government has not passed stimulus since last spring i saw an now, article look at that. i saw an article it said that people were standing outside literally the all night for the oh. chance for the chance to win a 250 dollars gift yeah. card not uh, getting mr. it mr mr mark charles hello uh next Nice to meet oh, you, sir. Here, homeboy. So, homeboy just called in. Here, which uh, you have, um, uh, homeboy. You have some questions for Mark Charles. Yeah, I have some questions, but I wanted to add about that. You know, the the stimulus check, which was it like twelve hundred dollars a person, right, for the head of the family, mm -hmm. and maybe your wife, and uh, five hundred for your children, and you know, it was supposed to last. I mean, when when did they give that out? In June, July. Uh, yeah, I think it was last spring. Yeah, yeah. It was last yeah. spring. 
So it's supposed to help out families with the coronavirus, with people not working, and you're supposed to stretch that from July to now? That's ridiculous. Because I know in other countries, like uh, Europe or uh, I forgot where else, they were, uh, they're subsidizing them, right? They're giving them 70% of their wages, some, some countries? It's at least something. Every country is handling it differently. There are several countries right. that are doing a much better job than we mm-hmm. and, and maybe it's not all about the money for me, but um, it's just like, um, to me, it's like everywhere I look, everywhere I turn on the news, it's all about the coronavirus and we can't go here or there, but then they don't give us any money to subsidize us not going to work and following the rules. Or even hazard pay. What yeah, was that, Mark? That's one of the challenges. Well, one of the things I've been looking at, and one of the things I, w- I was saying is when you look at the leadership of our Congress, so the congressional leaders on the Democrat and the Republican parties for our Congress, there's 10 leaders. And seven of those 10 leaders have been in Congress since the 1990s. Now, think of everything that's happened since the 1990s, right? We've had the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. We've had numerous government shutdowns. We've had this horrible pandemic. We've had millions of our citizens experience income um, insecurity, experience unemployment, experience food insecurity, experience all of these things. Meanwhile, seven of the 10 leaders of our Congress throughout that entire period have had a stable income, excellent health care, and a well-paying job. This is why when they go in to negotiate, right? They are not negotiating as if their lives depended on it. They are negotiating as if their careers depended on it. And so the thing they're most concerned about when they fail to reach an agreement is not that they didn't reach an agreement, but that knowing that they can blame the other side for it. So immediately when they come out of their negotiations, both Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi and all of their other leaders, they go directly to their partisan propaganda news outlets, either CNN or Fox News, and they tell us why we can blame the other party. Yeah, this is the only thing. It's the shell game. It's the oldest oldest game in the book. It's the shell game. It's three card Monty. Yeah, but meanwhile, the people... Meanwhile, the people are suffering and they're yeah. getting into more and more credit card debt. Or and crime goes up because when people can't eat, they have to, you know. Yeah. Or they're and, getting and, you know, and you know, it's, you're not stealing if you need it. Is in my book. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Well, but. well, this is this is why. So this is why I firmly believe that we need to have a younger generation coming into our congressional um, seats of power. We need to have more Gen X. We need to have more millennials who are running for office and who are willing to step in and say, I want to take up the mantle of this leadership because this is the generations. And I'm not even concerned as much about which party they're from because they have the experience, right? They've lived through these, this pandemic. They've lived through um, the Great Recession. They've lived through numerous government shutdowns. They have the experience of income insecurity, of food insecurity, of, of job insecurity, and they are willing to do the work to make sure that the people like them are being um, um, cared for and and are not being lost in this in this uh, these crises that we're facing. Hmm. Yeah.
Well, I was even thinking too, like, uh, of course, all of, all of these are very valid points that should be, like we were saying, should be addressed and doesn't seem like they're going to be, but hopefully, uh, I was thinking of this too, um, uh, Mark Charles here had mentioned for our listeners, had mentioned the Doctrine of Discovery. If you're not familiar with the Doctrine of Discovery, he has an excellent book out. Uh, you can get it from his website, markcharles2020.com, or you can just look up the book, Unsettling Truths, The Ongoing Dehumanizing Legacy of the Doctrine of Discovery. And it's something, it's like you've said, Mark, it's uh, a lot, well, probably pretty much all of our issues come down to this general uh, general mindset and why our, uh, why our foundation, why the foundations of our country are just so off. Yeah, yeah, it really is one of the, it's one of the foundational documents that it's been encoded into some of our Supreme Court um, opinions and into case law, um, but it really is what helped establish the worldview of exploitation and profit and dehumanization of people that has just created the toxic environment that our nation grew out of. And so, yeah, there's a lot of history that people are not aware of um, because of the way the Doctrine of Discovery has influenced the founding, the foundations of our country. Right. And so our book looks at that. The, the book I co-authored, On Selling Truths, looks at that very uh, closely, especially how that, that doctrine came out of the Christian church and the ways that the, the teachings of that church and the understandings of that faith were twisted um, into this heresy of what's known as Christendom or Christian empire. Um, and that really fed a lot into the, the writing and the creation of this doctrine of discovery. Right. Is that answer your question, homeboy, or... He's used to a lot. I know he's at work, so I know he could be listening, but. Oh, yeah, um, I, I don't want to be rude and, and make all kinds of noise. Okay, well. Um, I, yeah, he, he has to make questions. I have one important question. I can't hear you. Oh, I have a really important question that I want to know because you're not that you're on the inside, inside, but you know more than we do. So, do you think this is dangerous? and damaging for us to have a president calling for fraud and not conceding? And is, do you think he's gonna leave the White House or want to leave the White House? So, um, I do think it's dangerous the way that President Trump is not conceding this election and the way he's calling out, um, really questioning the, the, the outcome of this election, again, without fact or without, um, you know, proving anything, he's just claiming fraud. And I think that is damaging. That's hurtful to our, our democracy. I do not think he's alone in this. And I do not think that, that um, this is only on him, right? The, as I said, throughout my entire campaign, these are foundational level problems. And, you know, so if we're going to, you know, when we are hearing Trump and as I said throughout my campaign, the, the difference between the two parties is they're not, they both are opposed to democracy in different ways. So the Republican party is terrified of voters. They have a mostly white majority base and their party is not growing very well. And so they know that the more people, especially people of color and people from the margins who vote, the less likely they are to win. So the, the Republican Party is terrified of voters. 
the Democratic Party, which has a more progressive base and is more inclusive of people of color, at least in the primaries, the thing they are afraid of, because what they did this year, what they do every year, which is they have a more broad, progressive, diverse primary. And this past election, they had the most diverse uh, group of candidates ever running for president. And then they whittle it down to the most status quo white landowning male in the group, which is what um, Joe Biden represented, represented. And so what happened then after they nominated Joe Biden, who was very much a status quo candidate, is that now they're terrified of there being competition to Joe. And so the, the Democratic Party really works hard to keep other candidates off of the ballot, whether it's third party candidates, independent candidates, and they will both do that legally as well as shaming other candidates and trying to get them to not run. And so because, again, their, their base is more diverse, and so if they, if they nominate a status quo white landowning male candidate, and there's other, other candidates, diverse candidates, people of color and women and other candidates who are out there running third party independent campaigns, they're afraid that they're gonna lose their, their um, base to these other candidates who actually represent their base better than their status quo candidate does. And so the Democratic Party works very hard to keep people off of the ballot. And so this is one of the things well, where if we're gonna call out what Donald Trump is doing, we also need to call out what the Democratic Party- We is. have to be consistent. Yes, like even the whole thing yes. with the uh, massive racism that was very clear and he didn't even try to hide it, the racism behind uh, Trump's campaign. Well, Biden was the champion of the crime bill, which is all about keeping minorities locked up for as long as possible for nonviolent crimes. And, and this is, again, one of the challenges we're facing is, yeah, not only that, but, you know, as I, I pointed out, because I was actually really curious as to why Joe Biden selected um, Senator Harris, now Vice President-elect Harris, as his running mate. Um, I was thrilled that he selected a woman. I was thrilled that it was, it was a woman of color and that glass ceiling was kind of shattered. I'm very grateful for that. But I was also curious because in the primaries, she did the most effective job of calling out Joe Biden's implicit racial bias and questioning, again, his writing of the crime bill and the, 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 the work that he had done to actually help create this mechanism that has a mass incarceration challenge well, problem for people of color. And I think I and said that I, I said that to Jolyn. It's funny because I would have so much more respect with him for him if he'd said you know what i know this sounds really messed up but since i was part of the problem for 50 years i unfortunately i'm not proud of it but i know how to undo it because i i'm one of the ones that fucked it up i would have so much respect for that it, it would be i think a lot of people would and i think that's why trump won the first time because he's like look i'll tell you how it is and this only goes to show american people that we can't handle the truth even you know and then how we like it and but i think that would be a step in the right direction As, and again no and and coming to terms with what we did to the native american people indigenous people until we recognize that you really can't start again with a good foundation you can't build a, a, a mansion or a empire on crappy land or a good foundation of lies and deceit if that's not a good foundation for a house 
yeah. Well, yes. I'm going to have to jump uh, out of this yeah. call quick yeah. because I have a dentist appointment to go to, but you guys carry on. Yes. It was We're, so good I'll, talking to you again, Mark Charles. Still here, but yes. Thank you. It's so good to be on your show again. I really well, appreciate no, it. Jolyn just has to step out, but me and Homeboy can still talk to you. So I, I okay. think that okay. uh, Donald Trump won because he's a great salesman, not necessarily a great businessman, because how many times did he go bankrupt? And his dad gave him all the starter money, right? But I want to ask you this, Mr. Mark Charles. Um, maybe I should just say Mark Charles. <laughs> but um, yeah. you can ask him. After, ask him what he wants to be after, called. Oh boy, after the electoral, after yeah, Mark. Um, after the electoral college is in, they vote. Is there a possibility that Donald Trump concedes? I so one of the things that I observe about Donald Trump is he lives in a binary where he is either the hero or the victim of everything he's a part of. So he's either the greatest ever or he's the worst victim of the injustice, whatever happens. And his entire brand is based on winning. That's what that's he plasters his name on buildings around the world. And that building is now associated with winning because that's his brand. And so I I personally think that Donald Trump understands very well that he lost. And I think he knows he lost fair and square. The problem is, is he doesn't know what to do with his brand now because he, for his brand to succeed, he either has to win somehow or he has to be a victim somehow. And so he is working. I think he's, he's starting, starting a third party. He's starting which, his own third party. Which one, he, which one he wants, which narrative he wants. Does he want to, to be a winner or does he want to be a victim? <laughs> I think he's going to have to on being the victim, but I don't know if his brand will ever. I think he will leave office. Mark, I sure think that's genius. Succeed. That is genius what you just said. He doesn't want to go away a loser, so he's either going to win or he's going to play the victim card. Ah, I gotcha. Or otherwise, he's going to be he's going to be posted as a one-term president. Everybody's going to laugh at him, and he can't have that, right? Right. It, it, again, his whole brand self can de gets deconstructed if he doesn't fit into one of those two narratives. So he either has to somehow find a way to win, which I think he's concluded he can't do that. So now he has to create this narrative, even though it's a false narrative that he was a victim of this massive fraud, even though there is no evidence that this fraud ever occurred. But that's the narrative that he's feeding his base so that um, that he can keep his brand intact, which is based on either winning or being a victim. So does he get dragged out January 20th or does he leave? Does he leave peacefully? Again, no, so, so I'm not expecting him to concede. I do expect him to leave the office. Um, I don't think he's I, I, I'm not expecting him to be at the inauguration. I'll, um, he could surprise us all and show up there. But I'm not expecting him to concede, and but I do anticipate that he would leave office um, at um, Peace, peacefully. Peacefully, nobody's yeah, going to take I, him I'm, out. I'm, nobody's going to escort him out peacefully. Okay. I'm that's good. That's a good peacefully. Well, that would um, be good for the country you know, because if not, that could stir up um, 
some things in America that we don't want to happen, right? If they take them out? I'm, well, I think this is where, I, I think the Republican Party is going to have to make a choice soon. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Donald Trump is going to run again in 2024. Um, and I think if that happens, that will begin, that cause massive problems for the Republican Party. Um, really? Because well, yeah, because Trump he didn't think have Georgia doesn't want to go down there now. Base. Yeah, Trump has a very strong base. But right, the way Joe Biden got elected is by appealing to moderate Republicans who couldn't support Trump. This is this is literally the energy that went behind um, the the Lincoln Project, which was this super PAC that gave massive support against Donald Trump and for Joe Biden, and it was primarily funded by moderate Republicans who couldn't stand Trump anymore. And I think if Trump does try to run again in 2024 and bring his toxic political style back into the Republican Party. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a pretty major split in the Republican Party because I think there is a strong, vocal, and very wealthy member group of that party who wants nothing to do with Donald Trump. Yeah, um, and I and I, and think I him running again would create huge problems for their party. I do think he is starting his own third party. The ones that are, you know, he's trying to drag some conservatives out or anybody he can because he is a brand, and if he can, you know, uh. You know, if because uh, Mitt Romney is going to be running for the uh, Republicans in the next election, that's going to happen. The writing's on the wall for that. As soon as I saw him showing up at these marches uh, for Black Lives Matter, I'm like, all right, so he's running next year or in uh, four years. Now, so Mike Pence won't run. Republican you don't think Mike Pence? No, will run in 2024. Well, so this is, well, so I again, I think. There's the potential of Mike Pence, there's the potential of Marco Rubio, there's the potential of Mitt Romney, there's a lot of other politicians. Donald Trump, I think he's betting on the fact that if he runs, he would be the presumptive nominee. Um, but I think this is why I think it would cause a lot of tension within the Republican Party, because yes, his base would be excited about that, but his base is not the entirety of the Republican Party. And so this is why I think if he decides to run again in 2024, it will be very challenging, if not destructive, for the Republican Party as a whole um, because of how popular he is amongst his base, but how unpopular he is among more moderate factions of the Republican Party. Hmm. Okay. So I, I think there's a lot of Republicans who are they created they created something with Donald Trump, and they're not quite sure what to do with him anymore. Um, you know, even you're even seeing that in Georgia, where he's going down this weekend to to um, campaign for the two the two Senate races in Georgia. And they don't want him. Republicans who are afraid <laughs> of what he's going to say and what's going to happen, and that he might actually um, uh, hurt voter turnout for those races because of his toxic brand of, of politics that he's going to bring down there. Right. Well, he always he always makes enemies out of his friends. Like like uh, Tim said, like the governor of Georgia. I mean, just calling him a coward for not defending him in the fraud thing. He he always does that. His lawyers um and then he yeah. just makes enemies out of the people that backed him in the first place. It's weird. It's so weird. 
Well, I think the other thing that people tend to forget about Donald Trump, or at least they don't keep in the forefront of their minds, is he demonstrates almost all of the classic systems of, symptoms of narcissism. And when you look at, and when you research what a narcissist does to their closest relationships is they're highly toxic within their families, within their close relationships, um, creating a high level of anxiety and of stress and, and, and a lot of challenges. And people forget, I think, that when you're dealing with Donald Trump, you are dealing with someone who, again, I can't diagnose him, but from my observation- Know your audience, and, and yeah. From watching him, that he presents all of the classic systems of someone who is a very highly narcissistic. And you have to realize that when you're dealing with him. Yeah. And not only are you dealing with someone who lives in the binary, who either has to be the hero or the victim of every interaction he's a part of, but he seems to present all the symptoms of a narcissist and you need to know what you're dealing with when you're dealing with someone who's narcissistic. Yeah. They and put I no value on get that. That was, that was the whole problem the democratic party had with him in 2016 is they tried to either play his game and you're not going to beat him at his own game, or they try to treat him as a normal political opponent, which again, he's not that either. So if you don't understand who you're, who you're dealing with with Donald Trump and all of the unique things that he brings into every interaction he's a part of, then he's going to eat your lunch. Okay. Um, and so I think we, you have to remember, at least what I try to remember every time and what I tried to remember when I was campaigning in this last election was I was dealing with someone, again, from my own observations, appeared to be um, struggling with narcissism. And mm. you have to remember that. Otherwise, you will begin to treat him in a way that's going to either hurt you or going to uh, create more chaos than you want than you're you want to deal with. Sure. Mm. Very interesting. So. But yeah, so what up? Go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to on a lighter note. Are you going to are you still considering a one on one with Kim Jong Un? <laughs> oh. I'm not putting any thought into that right now. I think there's a lot of things going on on the international level. You know, I think you'd beat his ass. Of, of, of what leader, happened? Um, what do you mean? A fight? <laughs> no, not a fight. I think. Basketball. Oh, oh. He's talking about basketball. I think Homeboy wants a fucking game with. Excuse me. I think Homeboy wants to have a game with you too. <laughs> I, I love one basketball. on one. I, I actually would love to to get back into playing. I will be too. Regularly, I have not I have not played that in a while. No, I he, was a coach um, years ago, and I would play pretty uh, regularly, but I haven't played in a number of years now. No, I, I'm Mexican, so man. I don't do basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I play basketball, I but I'm not that good. Is what I'm saying. No. There is something I did want to mention, which I'm actually very yeah. excited about today. I'm going to, I'm one of the things I've continued doing after my campaign is uh, doing what's called this second cup of coffee, where I started in my campaign where every day I was having my second cup of coffee and doing a live stream and talking about issues in, in the political campaign and things about our policies and platforms. I've continued doing that um, after the campaign, maybe twice a week or so, having a second cup of coffee. And one of the things that um, 
I've been looking at this week. Um, Senator Jeff Markell, or Markle, I think his name is, from Oregon, has um, introduced a resolution into committee in the Senate to abolish slavery. Mm. And they want to remove that clause from the 13th Amendment through an amendment to actually abolish slavery, which was one of the core components of our platform in our campaign. And he actually has support of other senators as well as con members of Congress. Um, Bernie Sanders is a supporter, and there's a few other people. And so one of the things I'm looking at doing in the next two years is what can we do with, our, with, with the people who supported our campaign? What can I do to help make sure that this um, this amendment actually gets out of committee, gets for a vote in our in our Congress, and even can get ratified within the states. And so I'm very excited that there's actually a resolution now that's being dealt with in committee. And one of the things I'm going to be looking at of my involvement in the next two years is what can we do to help shepherd this, this what I hope will become a bill, and actually become an amendment um, through Congress through ratification to the state so that as a nation, we can, for the very first time, completely abolish slavery from our foundations. Or start to. Because just because you put it in law well, doesn't mean it happens right away, but the, at least I, the start. Yeah, yes. We have to remove it from the foundation so we can actually begin to build a more just system around a healthier foundation. Um, and, and so I, I'm very much looking forward to the discussion of let's try and remove this from our foundational documents. Let's remove this clause from our constitution that has caused so many problems for people of color um, right. for, uh, throughout the last 150 years of our nation. So uh, it would be a good start. It was one of the core planks of my platform was to get that, to get that clause removed from the 13th Amendment. It's, it's a Mr. big Mr. ask, Mr. but... I, and I don't mean it's it can't do it, but it's it's funny how when if you don't fix something, just how when time goes on, how to undo it becomes just this whole nightmare scenario because it's just so entrenched in in the wrong direction, and it, to have to undo it is quite an undertaking as far as putting the proper things in place. Yeah, you know, and the first step is dealing with it at the foundational level. Agreed. So that's one of the things I want I want us to do. So I'm very excited that this bill is out there. I actually, um, this is something I want to invest a lot of energy in in the next few years. Is I want to do whatever we can to see this bill through, um, so that we can actually get this amendment to our constitution. Right. Mr. Mark Charles, I gotta go. It's all. Uh, would, uh, would you would you ever uh, think about going into um uh uh like a a a two year term? Because uh, I know Bill De Blasio. I was actually at his uh, inauguration when he was public advocate here, and he did he did such a great job as a public advocate. Actually, I got my friend Terrell a job because uh, my friend Terrell and I we did a short film, and. Uh, a friend of mine who worked for him at the time, um, Ellen had saw it and was just like, wow, we really need you to work for us on the camp, you know, campaign. And I didn't, I was doing involved in another project at the time. So my friend Terrell, they actually paid him, this is back, you know, however long ago, they paid him like 20 grand 
uh, with benefits and stuff. They really hooked him up, but they didn't have a video camera for him to do any work. And the thing he, my friend Terrell would call me up a lot and say, I can't believe he has so many friends and all he has to do is ask of, Hey, can you donate a camera? And he won't do it because he doesn't want to have that appearance of him taking any kind of, you know, influence. And my friend would just every day would call me livid. He's just like, this guy is, you know, you could say yes to some stuff. It's not a, a bribe or anything. And I'm like, yeah, but Terrell, it could be taken that way. You know what I mean? Um, but he went out there every, he had something like you're doing second cup. Um, he had an interview with the uh, public advocate because a lot of people don't know what a public advocate does. And the public yeah. advocate being on your side, I'll tell you what, is um, it, you go to their office and it's really just such a, a an important position that's never talked about. Um, yeah. But I'm glad he he was for us here. But I don't know. Uh, Tim, yeah. I yes. got to go. Yeah, but I have uh, two more questions, and then sure. that's it. Sure. Number one, Mr. Mark Charles, why does our country look like a messed up Oreo cookie, blueberry on the outside and raspberry in the middle? That's number one. But actually, that sounds pretty good, and I would like to eat that Oreo cookie. So Nabisco, get on that. Second one. <laughs> second one is uh, what's your just to know a little bit about Mark Charles. What's your favorite hip hop album of all time for you, Mr. Mark Charles? And then I gotta go. Well, so my my kids will will uh, shudder when they hear me say this, but you know I am a product of the '80s, and so when I look at hip hop and rap and that kind of music, one of the one of the albums that I remember listening to a lot when I was younger was Run DMC and their licensed oh. uh, album. And so I, I probably yes. almost every song on that album. I've wrapped yes. them and sung them myself numerous times. So yeah, I will have to go back to Run DMC as one of the albums that well, have stuck you, with you, me. No, you're saying Beastie Boys decades. licensed to ill, right? You're saying the Beastie Boys? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. License sales, the Beastie Boys. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, what's one the, of my favorite albums of all time. Perfect choice. Album. I still listen to that album to this day. I must go. But thank you, Mr. Mark Charles, for talking to me. Thank you, Timmy Boy, for having me on. And uh, great answer because that is a hip hop classic. Okay, bye. Everybody. All right, we'll talk to you later, yeah, bro. So, yeah, let me correct that. So, yes, the Run DMC and the Beastie Boys were two very formative albums for me. I forget the name of the Run DMC album right now, but um, it, it was their major album. And then the Beastie Boys, their licensed ill album. I know a lot of the songs off of that one, too. So both of those albums were pretty formative in my musical taste, which my children will remind me is very much stuck in the 80s yet. <laughs> well, it's it's like with uh, any time I hear Bruce Springsteen song, it's the same way. It's just like, oh, man. There's some people just born to, to do things and like Springsteen was born to just make music and tell stories. Just, it, he yeah. really had the finger on the pulse and still does. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's been great to be with you, Timmy. I, I'm appreciate it's your always a pleasure, Mark. podcast again. No problem. And like, I know we had a little confusion. We thought it was, uh, you were going to call in yesterday, but you called in today, which I thank you for again. But, uh, you never need an invitation to call, and you just call whenever you feel like it. 
Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Especially, you know, we're we're, we're hoping one of the things I'm looking at doing um, in in the new year of 2021 is while we're um, looking at what to do over the next two years, is we're, one of the things we want to do is maybe start a pack so that we can continue to bring um, nah. uh, attention to issues around the all the people theme. So using this pack to um, energize people around this uh, uh, bill to abolish slavery and remove that from our foundations, uh, using this pack to support younger candidates who want to get into office. This is something that we're hoping to start up um, in the next year. And once we have that up and going, I'll definitely let you know, and we'd love to come on your show and talk about it more in depth than what we're trying to do. What about uh, uh, just the charitable foundation? Well, again, I want to continue to stay involved in, in politics, politics, and I want to try to influence policy. And when you set up a charitable foundation, um, you know, as, especially a nonprofit, then the way you get money and can use money becomes much more regulated. And so right. we want to continue to try and push for these changes in the political realm. So we're looking at what we can do in that realm. Yeah. Now, I, I, I don't if you have to go, just please let me know. I just have a question for you. Um, the way that certain tribes have um, casinos. Um, like Mohegan Sun here in New York or actually New York state that's um, would be farther up. Uh, my next question is, is that, uh, and again, it's just, just, I, I know enough to get in trouble um, how there's native American land that they're for lack of a better word. I don't know what the proper term is anymore, but the reservations from the old days out, out West, is that land considered different uh, than say uh, a tribe that has casino land as far as like, and what I'm thinking is because now that New Jersey has legalized recreational weed, would uh, uh, say Mohegan Sun, would they be able to, if you go to the casino, would you be able to, uh, would they be able to sell weed because it's tribal land or because it's, how does that work? Do you know? That I'm not sure. I mean, uh, every reservation has a different treaty or a different agreement huh. with the government. Most reservation lands are set up as trust lands. In other words, the tribe doesn't hold the title to the land. Um, it's land held in trust by the federal government for those mm. lands. And um, Just like the Federal Reserve. So and that's where there was kind of the, the, the loophole that was found where tribes learned, oh, we can have casinos on our on our reservations. And, um, you know, that, that, that's a legal way for us to raise revenue. And so a lot of tribes have gotten into gaming because it's one of the few ways that they can actually raise capital. You know, because we don't own our reservation lands, it's very difficult to raise capital through those lands because we don't actually have the title to it. Right. And so um, this is why you'll see a lot of casinos on Native nations all around the country is because of that loophole that they found and because of that's one of the few ways that they can actually use the money to raise capital for the tribe. And so there will be a lot of, uh, you, usually when you have a casino, that casino will go to fund things like language revitalization and cultural um, preservation and things like that. And so usually if you can find a casino, you can usually also find a museum and other things going on that the tribe is using some of the revenue from that casino to make sure that the culture and the language of that tribe is, is being revitalized. 
I'm not sure how that works out with um, the, the selling and the growing of hemp and other marijuana products, but um, I think that it's worked out on a tribal level. I have not, I don't know exactly all the agreements and how that is worked out federally. Right, so they're all different. And are they called reservations anymore? Or what's the appropriate term? I'm not. Yeah, they're almost all called reservation. It's the Navajo, I, I, the Navajo Nation. It's it's the Navajo Reservation. You know, uh, the same thing with, with uh, all of the different reservations. It's the Crow Creek. You know, that's what the McGirt case in, in the Supreme Court in uh, Oklahoma was about. Is are these lands reservation lands or are they just uh, state lands? Like, is there anything we can do about uh, all the uh, uh, indigenous uh, younger women going missing? Is there any one we can reach out to to kind of kick them in the butt to kind of like start to get that okay. thing? I think it will be interesting to see what the Biden administration does with that group that President Trump started. I don't I heard that's kind of fallen through and not much attention has been given to that. But I would I would be. I'm expecting the Biden administration to do something with that energy, especially since Deb Holland and Sharice Davis and other native members of Congress are still there and adamant about working with this issue and the tribes are raising this issue too. So I'm expecting the Biden administration to do something. I'm not sure what's going to happen yet, but I would, I'm, I'm waiting to see what the Biden administration is going to do to move that issue forward. Cause it's one that got some energy during the Trump administration, I'm expecting it will get more during the Biden administration. Okay. Again. But it's been great to be with you. I have to get going. I have okay, some commitments going on this afternoon. But thank you so much, Timmy. It's good to talk with you. No problem. It was my pleasure, Mark, and Joan's pleasure. And uh, again, anytime you want to come on, just come on. But we'll uh, get in touch with you after the holidays or vice versa or during the holidays. But you know, it's always good to hear from a friend that's got uh, everyone's interests above his own uh, for a change. Not like me. Like, it's a good thing you didn't become president because I would have called you the first day not to congratulate you, but to start asking you for favors. So at least, you know, <laughs> at least I know if you were to be president, you should never take my call. Please never take my call. Okay. It's only going to work. I'll make a note of that. Please. Yes. <laughs> Well, hey, you take care, Timmy. We'll definitely be in touch some more in the next year. So I look forward to having a more conversation with you. Me as well. Thank you again, Mark. Uh, we'll All right, play you out. Care. Okay. That was Mark Charles, everybody. Presidential candidate. Great. All around great guy. Support him. Go. Uh, he's on Twitter. Uh, he is. Let me see. Uh, I know it's not Mark Charles, but it is, yeah, it's Mark Charles, and the, uh, it's the at sign, and then wireless Hogan. That's Mark Charles. Um, always a pleasure. It was a good man. A lot of fun. Thank you, homeboy, for calling in. Thank you, everybody, for stopping by. Oh, excuse me. Um, yes, wireless Hogan. Got it. Homeboy. I uh, appreciate it. And homeboy. Oh, uh, yes. Homeboy, which uh, podcast is that? Homeboy. Uh, is that shit? Me and Jolyn just did it last night. Uh, let me see. Let me see. 
Yeah, I forgot the name of your uh, podcast. You're going to tell me what it is. The Homeboy 88 Podcast. All right, so everybody, including Mark Charles, follow the Homeboy 88 Podcast. And also there's that YouTube channel. Uh, which one was that again? What was it called? Uh, at Rational Rage Network. I will also put that in the thing here. Uh, and I will put it on our Twitter account too, uh, which our Twitter account is, darn it, I had too many tabs open. It's P Gobble Farts. So, uh, yeah, follow, uh, I will put it up on here now. Follow Homeboy88 and the Rational Legion Network. Very good. All right, that's out there now. I'm very lost without Joel Ed. Very lost. No, it's not hobble farts. It's gobble farts. It's, geez, man. PG gobble farts. P gobble farts, right? <laughs> I don't know what I said. Is it? Yeah, P gob PG gobble. Yeah, P gobble farts. That is correct. B gobble farts. There it is. Are you on homeboy? Or are you on homeboy? Are you on Twitter, homeboy? I know that podcast thing. It's homeboy88. Well, yeah, you have one. I see one here. Nope. Yeah, I see you do. You have, uh, oh, 883. All right. Well, you got it. You need a fucking Twitter. In today's world, I sound like an old guy. Oh, the rational rages. All right, well, let me see. Let me see what we're talking about here. All right. Uh, Twitter. The rational. Are you rational? Is that you? Are you the rational rage? So it's. I will follow that too. Oh, no, it's it's. All right, there's a few rational rages here. Try you got to give it to me because um, the rational rage, there's rational AG, uh, but they are a uh, uh, <laughs> technology leader in the hot food preparation. So why don't you just type it in instead of having me Google it. And go out of my mind. Has a big microphone. Yeah, it's, so do I, but I don't brag about it. But let me see. Homeboy, you get if I can't like if you Google um whatever. Let me see. Uh Um, I can remember.
Answer. Oh, okay. You gotta check it. Your admin. I made you an admin. You know that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. What? I can add, I can add myself to a call when I'm admin or what? That's I don't know. Weird. I just I, yeah, I think so. But you, you're admin. I think you could go. Really? And, no yeah, way. I think, yeah, I made you admin. I don't I, have. Could, I don't have to call in anywhere. I just pop up like I don't Beetlejuice. Know. I don't know. No, I I'll, think you still have to answer. No, I'll show you what it looks like. I'll take a screenshot. No. I, I know. I saw it. Thank you. Thank you for making me admin. No, great, great interview, man. Great guy. How do you know this guy? How do you know How Mark what? Charles, man? How do you know Mark Charles? By talking to him. Oh, okay. We reached out to us. Jolyn saw he was the best candidate because she, when Jolyn, when I say Jolyn, can you do me a favor and check this out? It's because she's going to check it out. It's going to take her about four days <clears throat> to even start to get an answer. No, because she's just, the one time she wanted to do, I forgot what it was, but it's back when we were at the other apartment. She yeah. wanted, to, and it wasn't, it wasn't Dude. this, but let's just say it was. She wanted to learn yeah. how to like do a certain yoga pose. She literally got about 16 books. And when I tell you they were on her desk, they were from yeah. floor. She stacked them on the floor and they went kind of went past her desk as height. She read all okay. those books just to get to start to get an idea of what yeah, she's just a little nuts like that but that's what i'm saying like if so she right. came up, she found mark charles and she's like that's who i'm voting for i'm oh. like well let's, let's see email those people and see if he wants to come on the show and that's then she did insane, and then man. you know like i told that's you homeboy insane. when you never no. ask hey if you want something yeah. and you never ask for it You're never you know what the answer is going to be no it, it's always going to be no because you're not asking. Right. Well, I asked Stuttering John. You know Stuttering John Melendez from the Harvest Center? Know. I know of him, but I don't know him. I asked him. He said no. What? I asked him to come on my show, and he said no. No, thank you. Well, just, you know what you should have said? Well, thank you for your time. Anyway, if you have any colleagues or anyone you think that would be a good, a good fit, you know, if you would be so kind as to uh, give them my information, I would appreciate it. But, you know, always good luck. Yeah. Um, if, you know what? I could have. Our city hall. Actually, you know, Ray, Ray that guy who on uh, Comedy Central, uh, 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 he has that show. He's always in, like, the bathrobe. Ray, Roy Jones, is it? Yes. Okay, he was gonna beat this guy. He was doing some TV show. He was about to beat this guy's ass. Was like yeah. he was really just ready to just charge this guy. And Arsenio Hall tapped him on the shoulder and said, "You know what?" It just kind of gave him that look, like relax. And then afterwards, he said, "You know," because the guy he was on fire the whole like six months, and he had a bad show in front of a lot of people. Like no one laughed. It was a terrible show. And this guy was ready to freak out. And Arsenio took him to the side and said, "Look." People will forgive you for a bad set, but they won't forgive yeah. you for a bad attitude. So, because if, if you like go hit somebody, now you're an asshole. Oh. You know. So if you're always professional and always nice, you can never go wrong. Dude, you. You know you how I got my other apartment. You know how I got my other apartment. Oh. The guy, and again, I, part of being Jewish, I guess. But do uh, you know what a mitzvah is? That's Yiddish? I don't know. Well, it's, mitzvah is a Jewish term for where, uh, let's just say, I 
you know, I, we know each other somewhat. And you and I say to you, hey, homeboy, you know what? If you if you don't mind, can you lend me five hundred dollars till this Friday because I get paid? You know, you see, I have a big check yeah. here. It's it's just mm -hmm. could you could, so, and that's all the money you literally have Damn. for your family and everything else. So you're but gonna count it. So no, do you lend it to me? So yeah. if you do a mitzvah and you say, yeah. you know what, I'm gonna give it to Tim because I know this is gonna be a huge favor, and the the universe will reward my good actions. It's a mitzvah. It's uh. doing a good reason and almost being kind of like I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to. It's called a mitzvah. Oh, so okay. the, I, our credit was shit, and the rent was like eighteen, yeah, you know, whatever it was, and um, the guy. The first uh, landlord had said, well, you know, 18,000, no, 1800, but he said, he goes, you know, your, uh, your credit's not too good and everything. And I should really pass. And I'm like, well, or you could just say yes. And that would be a good mitzvah. Thank you, sir. As soon as he heard me say that, he said, what do you know about a, a mitzvah? And I'm like, well, I know you'd be doing one. And he said, you know what? Now I have to now because you brought it up. Now I have to, and it worked out. Ever you know, he was the best landlord. We were the no, best I tenants, know. but that's what a mitzvah is. It's hey Tim, yeah. I gotta ask you a question. Are you a little bit scared? What? Are you a little bit scared about? I can't coming up. Were you a little nervous about what I would say? No. 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 You have faith in me? Of course I do. Oh, thanks, buddy. Why would I? What are you gonna think? I, what would I think you're gonna do? Make fun of him? I, I, no, like, like be like be my crazy self. You know what I'm saying? Like not be professional. Yeah, no, but you were you were great because you were great because you had good questions, and then you ended it with him laughing. Right. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I can't like, just walk away bland. And well, and you know what? And that's good because when he thought about yeah. it. He thought about his kids, which when you think about your kids, always puts you in a good mood. So oh. if he looks back on it, he's going to say, no, that homeboy 88 was, he made, a, a, right? a matter of terms, he made me feel good. Well, your kids made oh, you cool. feel good. Homeboy 88 just reminded you of that. So right. it's kind of by association. So if you were to just ask some generic no thought question, yeah, he, he could tell it's a, it's a no brainer question. Oh, do you like Coke or Pepsi? Well, it's a softball question. Hip hop. You know, that's a pretty, that could be a very controversial answer. <laughs> but he answered it. It's a great question. No, I know. And, and it tells me. It tells a it lot tells of people. Me first of, it, it, tells, it told me, first of all, this is why I asked that question. It told me his age. So he's around my age. There you go. Um, se second of all, New York, New Yorker, right? Or around that area, right? Uh, DC. DC. And. And he has good taste because fucking Beastie Boys licensed the ill. I wasn't I wasn't just telling him just to tell him. I love that fucking album, dude. Seriously, yeah. in my top ten greatest hip hop albums of all time, dude. Seriously. Yeah. There's those there's those records or the songs or those albums. As soon as you hear it, it's like yeah. No, from the first song, rhyming and stealing, to the last song. Yeah. It, it's great. Uh, they knocked it out of the park with License to Ill. The next one, Paul's Boutique, was it was so different than License to Ill. And then after that, they did their own shit. But Beastie Boys are great. There's no denying it. 
You know, there's no denying. Trust the PCMCA. Maniacs. Oh yeah, when they're young, remember that shit. They're still, they're still <laughs> out of control. They no, they really just are. They are in some shit you, you wouldn't believe. It's just they're no, 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 no. no. You gotta that. watch. Do you have Apple TV? Yeah. Uh, yes. No. Yes. Okay. If you have Apple TV and the Apple subscription, do me a favor. Uh, watch their docu. Watch the documentary about them, Beastie Boys. Um, it's great, man. They 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 were going around because they wrote a book. The two surviving members. The uh-huh. other one died of cancer. And you know who I saw live a few times? Oh, the Ramones. Oh. The Ramones. They did. They were amazing in person. Well, here's that, the thing: the Beastie Boys love the Ramones. I know they all that punk shit. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. You like hip hop? It's okay. I, no, I mean it's not my first go-to, but I like it. Yeah. No. I like. I like. I like. You know. You don't know Union City, but it's like I guess it's like a. Uh, uh, well. Uh, what's the part of maybe uh, you have a, maybe you, okay? You can ask me a music question, and I'm gonna ask you a music question. Name me your favorite hip hop album of all time. If you don't have one, don't be ashamed. Say I don't have any. I probably don't have one because I don't, okay. I'm not one doesn't come to mind because you know, and that's the thing when people tell say, like, oh, what's your favorite, like hip hop or whatever? I don't really have an answer because it's like I like a song, uh. Right. And okay, if it's artists. if it's country, then I guess I like country. It's just I don't really what, go by that. What, I just like. What's your favorite like, artist that you ever heard? What's the one artist where you said, hey, you know what, wasn't so bad. I like that guy. Tupac. Uh, actually, uh, it was uh. Biggie. Who? Nas. Tupac, Biggie, Nas, Jay Z, who? Kanye. Uh, let me see. Public Enemy, Chuck D. I did like Public Enemy, a Two Life Crew. Okay. I fuck. <laughs> I love Two Life Crew. I don't know. Okay, it fits your personality. That's just perfect. And that's no surprise, right? No fucking surprise. Holy shit. Man. Because they weren't the greatest of rappers, but I could see Timmy like, yeah, I like Two Life Crew. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I have a question because you'll be surprised about my musical palette, bro. Well, tell me, Jethro tell Hull. me, dude. I love classic rock, I love Jethro Toll with the, uh, and the flu. Do you know him? No, well, yeah, I've seen it, yeah, of course. Uh, Pink Floyd, obviously, Pink Floyd, um, Pink Legend. Floyd, Pink Floyd is my go to man. Yeah, Pink Floyd for sure. Oh man, if you want to understand the it's world, you want to understand the world. Yeah. Get headphones, get a turntable, and get Dark Side of the Moon, and then play Hendrix's Electric Ladyland, and take that journey through that album. Oh yeah. yeah. You'll wake up and you will see the world, and it will accept you as a, a whole different transition will happen. Speaking of my life. kids, and then speaking of kids, and then I'm gonna drop off. I used to play the vinyl record of dark side of the moon and he used to scare my kid <laughs> dude i you know what i can understand that because, because the first 
Well, the first time I heard it, it yeah. freaked me out, but... Yeah, but, you know, it has the heartbeat to open up the album, and then the guy's running and running and running and running, and then the screaming, and they're like, turn it off, Dad, please. <laughs> yeah, but you know, what's what's mm-hmm. funny is the... Uh, um, do you know in... Um, uh, yeah. What is that one song? Where that one lady... Uh, she just screamed, like singing yeah. and there's no words and shit. Yeah. You yeah. should actually you should actually hear the interview with her. Uh, she said it's so emotional. She yeah, she said, I just they hired me for the day. Uh I got into the studio. They mm-hmm. we I they started doing their thing and they told me when to come in and they were just like, Well, can you make it sound like an instrument? And that's how it came. And she said that was like one of the, it was their first take. And they yeah. said, okay, that was great. And she left Dude. and she didn't think anything else about it. And then she got a phone call out of the blue from a few of her friends on one day. Just like, hey, you must be happy that Dark Side of the Moon is Listen. blowing up in the States. And she's like, what's blowing up in the States? She had no idea Listen. that, oh. <laughs> Don't listen to that song when you're sad. You will fucking cry. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's the medicine you need at that time. Oh my Sometimes god, because it cry. sounds like she's crying. It sounds like she's crying. It's or going it has, it's Yeah. Oh, man. Like pain. Like but all right, it's... Timmy, I gotta go. All right, bro. I really gotta go. All right. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. Hey, thanks great. for coming on. All right, later, bro. You uh, if uh, you bro. want, we could email uh give you his people's information and if you want him to come on your show. Or you could I'll give you his people's information or if, go on uh-huh. his Twitter, go on his Twitter and thank him for his time today and that you should keep in touch. Oh. Timmy. Right? Yeah. Tim, um, before I go, I'm going to, I'm going to hang up in like five seconds. Yeah, God, God damn it. Caps. Okay. Hi caps. I have it in my pocket. I'm not looking at the chat. God damn it. All right. Bye. All right, Fuck man. this fucking guy. He's like a little girl. Where's Homegirl. I'll come on Homegirl's show. Where's Homegirl 484? I'll enter her sh- enter her show. That's funny. I'll enter Homegirl 44's show. <laughs> Joel is a dentist. She'll never know. <laughs> the Homegirl could call in. Say another fucking spam call. Please enter... Homeboy has a belly button, Dick. Well, I'm not packing that much either, so. But once you come on the show, homegirl, call in. I'm shy. I don't care. I'm not. Just call and say hi. I'll take it from there. You won't get into word in edgewise after that. Probably. Call this guy we did interview with a presentation. Call in, hi, it's Allie. I don't know what's going on. Let me see, homegirl44. All right, let me see. Love you, homeboy. But he has an anal tech. Let me see. All right, well. Ah, Mr. Arvella, we you just missed it. It was it was around twelve thirty. But what are you up to, Mr. A? 
we'll say Jones at the dentist now, but uh, just got off work. And we did kill it, Mister. Uh, what? Where are you working, Mister A? The vibe. <laughs> kill the vibe. That's funny. Homegirl's killing it today. Really killing it, man. Spanks, yeah, spanks, spanks. Freaking block. In New York, Mr. A. Cincinnati, nice. I was uh, in Cincinnati overnight for a month once. <laughs> I know, but if homegirl, if she is she gonna do a show? If she says she's gonna do a show, I'll call in right now or whenever she does. I'm so shy. Ah, don't worry. If you just start the show, me and a uh, homegirl, homegirl, homeboy, will call in or Mister A. It's, it's caps as homegirl forty four. Well, I I shouldn't say it was a surprise for me at all. I figured it was something like that, but hey, I'm not here to judge. But I'm not surprised that that was going on. Caps, I knew it. I knew there's a little girl inside of you. Not in a weird way either. I forgot to play out uh, Homeboy's music, so let me do that. Hold on. La, 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 la. Here we go. Oh, and I have to give a big shout out. Where's the missus at the dentist? Uh, yeah, um, she has one tiny cavity. Um, Let's see. I think I want to get the name of the place right. Uh, uh, Who's homegirl eighty-eight says she works with the drinking lemonade? I don't know what that means. Uh, let me see. It's hardware. Was that Eighth Avenue or Ninth Avenue? Eleventh, Ninth. That's what it was. I went to uh, Ace Hardware on Ninth Avenue last night. It's at the corner of Ninth and Forty Second Street. Good people. They're really good people. Five forty-five, Eighth. Avenue, I think. Either way, it's on the corner of 42nd and uh, 42nd and 9th, I think. American Ace Hardware, New York City. On uh, what would that be? It would be South East Corner. Of West 42nd 
and 11, 10, and 9th Avenues. Good people. I went there last night. They hooked me up big time. Big time. I had this wreath and I had to get like a magnet to hold it for the front door. And they hooked it. Two minutes. Got it in and out. Just like sex. Two minutes tops. Uh, and this here is showing. Yeah, huh? Uh, play my show on the Russian. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Play your show. How can I play your show on your network? And yeah, I can write English. Man, not a lot, but a little bit. Play my show on the Russian Rage Network. I don't know. Oh, you mean as far as your theme song? All right. As for somebody who has to go, you keep calling. <gasps> English is hard. Well, so that's not the only thing that's hard. No, no, no. No. My, go on the Rational Rage Network. Go on the Rational Rage Network on Podbean, right? Oh, yes. on Podbean. Yes. All right, search well. for the home for search for the latest one that says the Homeboy eighty eight podcast. Dude, oh, you're gonna on. trip out. You're gonna trip out. Oh. You're gonna trip out. Wait me, what's with that? I, my, let me see. And just push, just press play. Hold on. on, hold on. I can't. Hold on. Podbean, uh, the rational. You don't make this easy network. to look up. The rational. Rage and work, right? On Podbean, right? And it has hold a. On. Hold on. It's, it's got. It's got to go to space to look up shit. Hold on. My gun. Hmm. It's got to go to space and go look through thousands of shit. You're like, open it up, open it up. Let it get to space and back. <laughs> That's a good bit. I like that bit. <laughs> Let it get to space. I've never heard it like that. That's fucking funny, you fucking asshole. All right. I like that one. I'm going to use that. Can I use that shit? That was yeah. funny, dude. You got to get the space. Yeah. It has to get the space and back. Give it a second. Yeah, I like that one. I've never heard anybody say it like that. Uh, <laughs> I heard it from someone. I don't know where. I, I. It's not the first time I heard it. What about it? That ain't it. That ain't it. God That's your latest you show. To, no, you have to put the one that says the Homeboy 88 podcast. All right. First of all, I don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Well, what about it? It's a good theme song. I don't no, have a listen, theme listen. Song. Just no, just no, 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 no. Just keep going. Just listen. I can't hear you're too loud over on your end. All I hear is wind. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
It's too long. I'll put yeah. I'll turn your mic back on. It's too long. It's too long and way no. too many n words. No, it's Dead. not me. That's Snoop Doggy Dog. I don't give a shit who it is. I'm just letting you know. It's it's if this is your show, the opening for your show, it's too long and you're not talking over it because okay, because the show is called the Rise and Fall of Death Row Records, and so well, that's off of Death Row Records. Well, uh, no, no, no. I have mine on mine on the Homeboy eighty eight podcast where I don't have that. It just goes have, straight into my. Why show. don't you just stick to one pod? You you have like fifty things out there, and they're all really hard. No, they're all really hard to find. <laughs> Listen, bro, I'm diverse. Mm, diverse. First of all, you have to be able to spell diverse so, to be diverse. So that was the special. That was the special edition remix, gangster version. Ah. You don't like it? You don't like it? Nah, that's all right. Yeah. It, 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 and then it goes into my show. It goes, it was a, just a little longer, and then bam, it goes into my show. And then I talk about the rise and fall of Death Row Records and how it all started. You, you remember Death Row Records, right? Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, right? Tupac. Yeah. And how they crumbled at the end. So that's yep. the show. Mm-hmm. Right, well, we didn't crumble, so. Homegirl says, please come home. Your dinner is almost ready. Whatever. You know, dinner's code for. Dinner is either code for, you know, you got to get his fucking swerve on. He's got to get his game face on or sex. It's not dinner. Hey, hey, yo, Caps, we can handle it in the street. Fuck making podcasts. G's up, hoes down. If that bitch can't swim, then she bound to drizz down. Peace to my homie Timmy Boy. Peace to the Timmy Boy. When am I getting my theme song? When am I getting my theme song? Uh, That's up to area. I got to check my email to see what he sent me. He's lagging, bro. Didn't I give you his email, too? I gave you his email. I don't want his email. email. I'm doing the work. I don't want to do any work. This is... I'm not paying you to... Or I'm not not paying you yet. But... You know? And I'm sure he's not the only... Where's fucking... Where's Shane Shady? She's nowhere to be found, dude. Seriously. I hope she's right. She's so talented. I hope she's right. She's, she's crazy honestly, talented. She is, but she's nowhere to be found. Ah, oh, man. So it could be bad. It could be good. I don't know. You know? Yeah. She could be in yeah. jail, bro. Yeah, she'll be all right. All right, well, listen. Let me go. I got stuff to do. You're the one. You should have ended it like 30 minutes ago. I should have ended it the first time you called it. Oh, <laughs> hey, future Mermac, whatever that is. Who has lovely nipples? Homegirl88.
too much noise. Nobody wants to hear you pushing shop and stealing hubcaps, homeboy. We know what that sounds like. <laughs> Man. Jesus. Steal hubcaps on your own time, not mine. Are your glasses that thick you can see in the future? My glasses are pretty thick. Yeah, they're, I actually need new ones. But yeah, all right. I got to go, homeboy. I'll put you, unmute you for two seconds. You gonna say goodbye because I gotta go. Yeah, peace out, everybody. And uh, all right. oh, once again, actually, you know what? What? Um, hold on, let me see. Does anybody know who no. Russ? Don't play my theme music. Fuck. Does anybody know who Russ Albert is? What? Do you know who Russ Albert is? No, but before I go, I want to tell you, dude, you gotta get. Oh my God! Shut the fuck up. Rule. You gotta get Ja Rule on your show. For fuck's sake. I will, but you gotta look up Russ Albrecht. Okay. okay. Yeah. And when you find out who he is, you gotta write him a letter. I'll email I'll email you the information. Who the um, fuck is that? Okay. You gotta write him. You gotta get him out. We gotta get him out of jail. But alright, I gotta go. General, yeah, well, as soon as you write a letter and you find out who Russ Albert is, and then we'll do General. But all right, everybody, thank you very much. Got to run. It's great having you all. And today's Friday, so have a good weekend. We're going to do another episode uh, this weekend, um, but we're not going to post it until uh, it's a surprise. But all right, guys, thanks, Homeboy88, for coming on, being a co host again. And we will all look forward to seeing uh, Homegirl 88's nipples. Apparently, they're nice. I don't know. I can't confirm or deny that. Um, but hey, you when you know, we'll know. All right. So, but thanks, everybody. Uh, have a great weekend. Stay safe. And I'm not ripping Drew Barrymore off. She's ripping me off when I tell you. I do appreciate you frivolously giving your time to me. It means a lot to me. You should be actually hugging your kids, hanging out with your family. But that's why you're here, because we all should be doing other things. But we need a distraction. And thank God we're all each other's distractions. And I appreciate you guys. Not all of you, but.